Getting record. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Classroom to Copy with Tanya, and I have a lovely guest with me today, uh, Bitsy Salisbury, and she's also a former teacher, um, a reading and writing specialist, right? And an uh, yeah. English teacher. So I'm gonna let her introduce herself, like, well. You know, uh, what your background was in, in teaching. I know you've taught all over the world also. I, I looked up your LinkedIn and, you know, it sounds like a really interesting story there. And, you know, what is it that you currently do at Generation Schools? Generation Schools Network. Nailed it. <laughs> um, thanks, Tanya, for having me. This is a pleasure. Um, so I am one of those people who did like a traditional four year college for teaching program. Um, I, I took like a gap year, but, uh, I started college when I was 19 and finished in 2013 with an elementary ed degree. So that was my undergrad. Um, I did one year of teaching with that, uh, elementary ed and I thought, you know, maybe this full classroom thing isn't for me. I'm going to specialize and I became a, I went back to school to get a master's in English language education. And that was inspired by taking a semester abroad to volunteer or teach English in Chile. So I did that. It motivated me to stay in teaching. I went back and got that master's. Um, and then just with an interesting turn of events in life, I ended up back in an elementary classroom setting, not teaching English exactly, um, but kind of just I was a reading and writing specialist, like you said. So I taught fourth grade for four years in that position. And that was the majority of my teaching time was fourth grade. Um, the, the last year I taught was just this 21-22 um, school year. And I taught internationally, which was definitely a dream. Um, and I taught in Columbia for that school year. Um, during that school year, though, was also kind of my unraveling of teaching and, and starting to think about what else is out there. And um, currently, I know we'll talk about the journey, but currently I work for a nonprofit. It's actually an educational nonprofit, which was a good transition for me. And it's called Generation Schools Network. It's based in Denver, Colorado. And I am their communications and website manager. So that's actually, as you might guess, like nonprofits, you kind of do, you wear all of the hats. Mm -hmm. So I write their emails. I create email journeys. I also do newsletters. I also uh, do some promotional video work. They kind of whatever they ask me to do, um, I do it. I do a lot of event planning. So across the board, but I, I would say like writing and communication is the main thing that I do for them. And are these also, so when you say like newsletters and promotional stuff, is it like for, to market the, this organization? Yeah. So we have a bunch of different initiatives that we do in a few different key areas. One of them is college and career readiness. So we do a lot of programming across the state and a lot in rural Colorado, um, but also in the front range where we just give young people opportunities to interact with local businesses, to um, do internships, to do job fairs, that kind of thing. So when we have an event coming up, I'll be the person who writes the emails promoting the event, but also uh, creating the flyer for the event. So I do some graphic design for them too. Um, and then I'll sometimes, depending on the like capacity needed, I'll show up at the event and kind of 
run things from like a PR standpoint. So make sure we're getting good pictures, make sure we have like good interviews with the students, stuff like that. Wow. So yeah, that's wearing a lot of hats. Like it is. How, how does it feel now, you know, uh, in this role compared to like a year? It, it's been less than a year, right? That you've left teaching. Yeah, it's been, you know, coming up on a year. Mm-hmm. So it was June of 2022 that I left the classroom. So yeah, coming up on a year, which is crazy. Um, it took, it took a good amount of time to find a job, which I know we'll talk about, but, um, being in this role now, I've been in it for almost four months and it's, it's interesting how like it can be a stressful day at work, meaning like there's, tons of deadlines and everyone's asking for things last minute, but it just doesn't compare to the stress that I felt as a teacher. (laughs) It does not compare because I do know that uh, at the end of the day, everyone respects my time. Mm -hmm. And when it's the end of the work day, it's the end of the work day. And there's like minor exceptions, but yeah, my ability to like turn off my work brain is so much better than it was when I was teaching. Oh, the, that moment when you said no matter how much stress you're facing, you know, in your current work days, nothing compared to to teaching. Like it just hit so hard. It resonated so much because I don't know what it is. I think the way like a school environment, you know, the level of like stimulation and the things coming at you from every direction it's a unique experience to say the least, right? I know. It is unique to say the least. I think it's like you can't, I try to get other people to think about teaching like this. Every day you have to give presentations to a group of people. Like if, if people have a business job, they might understand it a little bit better. Like all you do all day is, is like, get up in front of people and present mm-hmm. um, and make sure that they're meeting their individualized learning goals and also making sure that their uh, social, emotional, like health is doing okay. It People can't even really imagine it. And I think, um, I think teachers are, they're just incredible people. They have this amazing skill set that they don't realize they have. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going yeah. to get into that. Um so I wanted to to circle back a bit about like the the stress, you know, you know, did you ever experience burnout and you know a lot of I know I was burnt out when I left, but I felt as if mm-hmm. I had to find the next thing immediately. I, I put that pressure on myself, you know. Mm-hmm. What was your, you know, experience with stress and if you had it, you know, burnout? Yeah, geez. Um, I think my burnout lasted for like three years. I was kind of feeling that way. Um, and ironically, the school I taught at for most of my, like, uh, like I was mentioning that reading specialist role I had, literacy specialist role. I did three years at a school in Denver in that role. And surprisingly, like the, the environment at that school was actually quite healthy. I had great coworkers. We were actually like holding it down pretty well. Um, but despite that, I still ended up just working 50, 60 hour work weeks. And 
um, I had a really awesome coach, but it was like clockwork. Like every two months we would get together for our like regular weekly meeting and I would just be in tears being like, I need to figure out a way to make this workload more manageable or I'm not going to be able to keep doing it. And she would give, you know, she'd work with me and try to give me tips, but it would be like that for years. I was just like, I was just managing it somehow, Mm -hmm. but feeling it constantly that like, this is a lot. This is a lot. I don't, I'm not getting paid enough for this kind of feeling. Um, I can't ever turn it off. Like on Sundays, I would put in hours on evenings. I would put in hours. And so that burnout was real. And I, you know, I think I stuck it out because I, I wanted to support my team and my team was super encouraging. Then, you know, I, I just thought, I thought I had, the best possible scenario as a teacher. Like a lot of people leave because the environment is toxic. I didn't have that. So I was just like, well, this is the best it's going to get. I can't go anywhere else. Um, Teachers are very isolated. You don't even know what's happening in the other like hallway, let alone what's happening at any other school in the district. Like you've no idea. So I felt like a little stuck. I was like, kind of like, Hey, this is the best I can do. This is the best case scenario. Um, and I don't have another plan. So I'm, even though I'm like drowning all the time, I'm going to stick it out. So what was, I, I know that you heard about a teacher who turned into a cop, uh, who became a copywriter on a different podcast, right? Is that, was that the yeah. moment you realized or was it something else that, that triggered it? The, yeah, that's a good question. Like the final straw, essentially. Um, I, uh, so I, like I said, I was teaching abroad and I, I think I had this impression that because that was my dream to teach abroad, that that was going to solve something. Mm. And it was also a private school. And I also thought that that was going to solve something for me, um, in terms of the workload, but it was kind of the opposite. I had a, just a, really stressful, intense experience at that school. And um, I think, I think the, the veil was like pulled from my eyes that it's not about necessarily finding a different school. Although I think that can work for some people. I think teachers end up switching grades or schools and like yeah. finding something that works better. Mm-hmm. But it was, I think it, for me, it just felt like it's always going to be this hard. It's always going to, well, it's always going to be this much work. Mm-hmm. I would meet teachers who had been in the game for like 15, 20 years, um, who were still working 50 hours a week. And so I didn't really have a model to look to. The teachers who I thought were incredible teachers were working their butts off yeah. and they were in their forties and fifties and they were still you know, I didn't see, I didn't have a model of like, oh, you work hard and then it gets easier. So I think I finally had to say, you know what, this, I'm good at this, but I could be good at something else too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's like the number one thing you mentioned in the articles. So, uh, for anyone listening, uh, Bitsy wrote some really awesome articles about like the hard and soft skills that teachers can leverage to become copywriters. And you mentioned the number one thing that most teachers say is the only thing 
I know how to do is teach, right? Right. When teaching itself is actually a multitude of distinct skills, right? Just teaching is just a vocation. There's so many of those skills, and, and I can't wait to, to get into that discussion later. Um, I don't want to spoil the article uh, for, for people who are um, listening. But yeah, we get so, uh, someone else in, in Copy Chief mentioned like you get this tunnel vision about what you can actually accomplish as a person. Uh, mm-hmm. And so to, I, I just wanted to jump back to, you know, so this like period of, of burnout, um, what would you say to like a transitioning teacher who is facing that right now? Because, you know, I, like you said, you know, it, it's so important to have models to look to. I didn't have a model. A lot of teachers who leave they in, in Singapore, they seem to just jump straight into the next thing. And mm. so for me, I had that expectation of myself. Uh, like, what would you say to, to a transitioning teacher who's going through burnout and things they have to find the next thing? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're a teacher, and you're experiencing burnout and you're feeling like, hey, the school year just finished, at least if you're on like the United States schedule, um, you just finished your, your, your school year and you're thinking, am I going to do this again next year? If that feels completely overwhelming to you, um, start. What helped me was to start realizing what else is out there because as a teacher, you, you just don't really have time. I literally took a sick day so that I could explore other careers. <laughs> like, I, I was, cause you, it's so stressful, right? Yeah. Just to, just to leave your post as a teacher. I took a sick day so I could explore other jobs. And, it, you know, the summer is a great time to actually have time to look at what else is out there. So I would say if you're feeling that way, the podcast that I found super helpful is called the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. Mm-hmm. I was actually like listening to those episodes on my way to school every day, which is a little, <laughs> that says something. Um, I would listen on the way to school and I would listen on the weekends and it just opened my eyes up to the different types of careers that are out there. That, um, that podcast and I'm sure there's other resources give you a, a, this bigger view of the kinds of things a teacher can do. And I just didn't have that. I just, I was just in it. I was in it to win it. <laughs> you know, I was just teaching and, um, I, the, t- you have to give yourself the time to explore other options. So definitely plug in and find some resources and, and, and just explore the career paths that are open to teachers because there are many, many, many career yeah. paths you could do. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be copywriting, right? Um, just so many different options. I I remember when I left, I, I just froze up and just, I mean, I was an art teacher, so I just made art every day. I knew I wasn't going to go into, like, I wasn't going to become a full-time artist, but I, I froze, you know? Uh, and mm. what you said about taking that time, especially now that it's summer, to, to step away and to also recover, like, the I think... Mm. 
like back then I was berating myself for like, oh look at you, you're just a slacker now, just drawing on your iPad all day. <laughs> but but <laughs> I was recovering, right? I was resting because burnout is also physical. Um, yes. Did you manage to find that time for yourself to like the physical break besides you know the t- stepping aside mentally from teaching? Oh yeah, that's a good question. I. I came back from Columbia uh, at the beginning of July, and I think there was like about a month there where I was just back. <laughs> I, um, you know, I didn't really do anything in that first month, uh, to be honest. I, I think I totally disconnected. Um, and then, and then I spent a week with my family in Minnesota, and for me, that's a really good way to to reset is to check in with my family and see how they're doing and remind myself that you know I'm a human too I'm not just a worker um so I had that time but when I came back from visiting my family then it really set in that I didn't I needed a plan and um I I what I did to bridge the gap because I had already decided at that point that I wanted to do copywriting, that that decision was made before the school year ended. Mm-hmm. And so um, I knew I wanted to do that, but I wasn't sure how. And so I started to I had to make that plan. And the plan I came up with was uh, to nanny or babysit um, on the side part time, which is something that any teacher can do. It, you have to remind yourself that it's temporary, but it's like any any teacher has the ability to like be an in demand babysitter mm-hmm. um, or, or nanny. So I ended up doing that 25 hours a week, and then with the rest of my time, I did self studying. I I joined Copy Chief. I um, purchased a couple of other smaller like online programs, and I studied and I studied. So that's it was a challenge. And I know not everyone can like lower their income like that, like I did for, I did it for like six months. Um, but if you can and you can just downsize your life a little bit for the time being, you'll actually find that that simplification of things and is, is going to allow you to pay, have that time. And that's what's going to pay off because like you said, there's so much stress. Yeah. especially with money to like do something else immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was my solution. I, I wish we were talking in person cause I would high five you. I did the exact same thing. I mean, for me, it wasn't babysitting. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> living in Tbilisi was all, already downsizing. Like it's, it's easy to live cheaply here. And then, uh, teaching, hmm. uh, English online on the side to like kids in Singapore. Um, yep. yeah, I think, I just had to take on like three students and I could spend the rest of my time on, on copywriting. So I think because, you know, there's some, there are some teachers I have interviewed who they they managed to study copywriting while teaching, um, Mm. which I personally know I couldn't have done, like not me. And at the same time, they were also working less hours than their usual while while teaching so like to anyone who's listening and thinks like there's only one way to get into this or that you have to start 
while you're still teaching, like there's so many paths into it. It really depends on your circumstances and what you're comfortable with. Like Bitsy said, right, with with downsizing, giving yourself that financial off ramp so that you can you feel financially secure to 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 make that move into a new career. Um, it's really yeah, interesting. It's, yeah. it's such a difficult transition, really. It's like it's monumental. I won't say it's always going to be difficult, but it's it's big and to try to make that jump without some struggle in the middle or or some sort of sacrifice i want people to think that to not to not try to do it without any sacrifice you know some people might want just like a smooth transition into something else and if that happens for you, that's great. And it probably, you know, it might happen because you had a connection or something like that. But if you don't have those connections yet, I think that was a big part for me. It was like all my friends are teachers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't know. At least that's what I thought. I actually discovered that my network was way more diverse than that. Um, I just what hadn't tapped into it at all. And so. It it just it takes some sacrifice to make that transition and just be ready for that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an interesting thing that you you mentioned about your network. What what do you realize? Mm-hmm. What made you realize about you know how much bigger it actually was, and like it, is it somehow tied to what you're doing now? Is that how you found your current role? Yes, actually. Um, I, so like I said, I, I think there was about six months where I was nannying and trying to learn a new skill, um, trying to learn copywriting. And there was actually a moment within that six months, I think this goes without saying that there was like a breakdown moment <laughs> that maybe we all have. Yes. That I definitely had mm-hmm. like right around, I think I want to say it was around five months because I kind of told myself, Oh, I'm going to give myself six months to figure this out. And I told my, I have a husband as well, but I had to tell him that like, Hey, I'm going to give myself six months after six months, you know, we'll renegotiate or like I'll open up my options to other things, but I really think I can do this. But then right around five months, nothing. There was no clear like job coming my way Mm -hmm. and I totally (laughs) had a breakdown and it was over this. I just thought, okay, if it's not happening yet, I've got, you know, this was a totally self, uh, self induced timeline, right? Deadline. I put it on myself, which I didn't have to do, but I started to get stressed about it and. I thought the solution might be paying for a like $3,000 coaching copywriting coaching program, Mm -hmm. even though I totally didn't have the money, but I was like, I've got one month to figure this out, quote unquote. And I like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy this program because what I'm doing so far isn't working, blah, blah, blah. In the end, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't like hit pay. Yeah. And then I had the breakdown because I was like, what, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I, I can't pay for this program. I'm not going to do that. But I, like, but now what? And Tanya, I had like 48 hours, I think, of just like, just like totally having a pity party and just questioning everything. Yeah. yeah. And then 
And then I just decided that I can't stop. I have to keep going with this path. And six months is whatever. I made that up, you know. So, but I need to start doing something different. So that is the moment when I said, you know what I haven't been doing? I have not been like mining my network. I think I've been afraid to do it because then it makes it more real mm-hmm. versus like sitting on my computer and studying by myself. Yeah. yeah. Networking means you're letting the whole world know that you're trying to become a copywriter and that you're actively doing it. And so it's official. It's official. Exactly. And so I had the breakdown and then I had the moment of like, I have to keep going and I have to make it official. And so that is when um, I did two things. I started reaching out to my friends on LinkedIn who had anything to do with advertising or marketing, um, but definitely specifically copywriting. So I just started asking people to talk with me. I started actively networking. And then two, um, on Copy Chief, I started finding copywriters, specifically email copywriters, who were in the game and I started asking them if I could write articles about them. And that those two things like gave me new energy and they were both networking things. Yeah. And so it was just like doubling down on that commitment, but it was really hard to do that. Um, you know, but once you do it, you're on the path. And like you said, you made it official. And I think within a month I got this job and it was through a connection through a friend of mine who does marketing for a real estate agency, which I didn't even know that she did. <laughs> She's been my friend for years. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. And I was, I know you worked for a real estate company, but I didn't realize you were the head of the marketing department. Like, tell me who you know. And she told me someone she knew, and that's how I got this job. So I actually did meet my six-month deadline, but I had the breakdown first. <laughs> wow. So, okay. Yeah. That is the, and then the way you told it, that's just a, a really fantastic journey. And again, like so many high fives. I had my breakdown around the same time. <laughs> I, I also, you know, um, I think I, I was, I was telling my mentors, uh, from, so in Copy Chief, we have the World of Financial Copywriting Club. And then Joshua Lee Henry for, for the listeners, you know, he's like kind of like my mentor. I was like, this is it. The the in- industry is going through layoffs. No one's going to ever hire me. This is the end of my career. And he was yeah. like, no, <laughs> this is the time you put yourself out there and just keep doing your outreach. And, and you know, like, like kind of what you did, posting articles on LinkedIn. And then like, I, like within a few weeks, there were people like, hey, do you want to write stuff for us? Um, I think community and network is such a missing piece, you know. Hmm. Um, in one of the last interviews I did, Charlotte, she said, you know, teachers like to feel like they, they've got everything. They, they can do everything on their own. Um, they, they're the authority on how something is done. So sometimes it can be hard for us to like admit, actually, we, we don't know and we need mm-hmm. our people, right? Like, um, Charlotte, she is a hundred percent right. Yeah. That is the truth. Like we think, we think it all falls on our shoulders because often it does when you're teaching. Yeah, yeah. And so it is a different mindset to 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 reach out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so what what made you feel that you weren't 
hitting your 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 goal like your six month goal you know like was it um reaching out to clients or did you were you just telling yourself that you're not ready like what what made you feel that you because you know your I read your writing it's it's fantastic you know what what was like the benchmark you set for yourself like finding your first client or something you mean like in terms of feeling successful yeah yeah because it's different for different copywriters too yeah that's a really good question I think I was I was definitely putting the job like the job as Mm. the as the deadline you know and I think I thought it was just going to be me working hard and then the job comes and there's like nothing in between Mm -hmm. (laughs) um which was where my mindset had to change was that like there's phases to it and the job might the job is part of it or that is like a a goal to have but there were other goals that I wasn't paying attention to because it just felt like oh any other goal is really not like nothing's really an accomplishment until you get the job oh okay you know and 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 that was a hard mindset to like try to shift I think posting my first article was a pretty awesome milestone that I should have celebrated more and like that was like a big deal to start publishing stuff. So getting that medium account and then mm-hmm. putting articles out there yeah. was, was a huge goal. And I think that gave me, then I started getting feedback, which is the thing that we also try to avoid, which is funny because it's the only thing that helps us grow. Mm-hmm. And we try to avoid it for as long as possible until we realize we can't get anywhere without it. So I start publishing, people start giving me feedback. And now I realize, like, okay, I'm on to something. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was the number one reason I, I joined Copy Chief. Cause, you know, I was in a free community and they're like, don't, don't pay for courses. Everything you, you need to know, you can learn for free. That is true. But then you, you know, when it comes to actually knowing how your writing is doing, and without the the statistics, you know, from writing emails, you don't know your open rates, your your click through rates. All you have is really like someone else's feedback on your writing. Yeah, and um, and like you said, the the first time I realized I was onto something, I got on a call with with Joshua, and he was like, "You need to get hired. Like, stop writing in your hole and like start sending samples <laughs> to people." <laughs> and he, I wouldn't have known. I was so sure I was going to get on that call and he was going to like, this is terrible and you're wasting my time. But you know, <laughs> we don't know when we're just like in our little writer's cave and, and like, oh, I'm going to keep all this copy to myself and not let anyone see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, this could go on forever, but we have to talk about your articles and, you know, what inspired them, uh, what made you realize all of these uh parallel skills that mm. can transfer from like teaching to to copywriting yeah so those like I'll just say this first I've always been a writer um and I've always like I've always had journals I've always kept journals and I've always used writing as a way to process what's actually happening in my life 
So that is what these articles were as well. It was me in the middle of that six, six month time frame where I was processing like my own self doubts. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the articles in a response to myself as like encouragement to myself, like, wait a second, this, you know, in your heart that this isn't true, that you're only good at teaching, like, you know that, but let's make it official. Let's start, let's write it down. So the first article I wrote in like two hours, I'm not kidding. I like wrote it all at once. Um, and I, and I posted it. It was very fast. And then that's when I was like, okay, I really, I really do know it in, inside. Like I know these skills that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for this, the, the first article was the, the skills that make teachers good copywriters. The second article was the soft skills that make teachers good copywriters. That one, I decided to um, go turn to my teaching team, the one I used to work with in Denver. And I asked them what they thought the soft skills were. And they gave me so many, <laughs> you know, teachers are like, oh, at least the teachers I worked with, they're like, oh, we're good at this. We're good at that. Like they gave me so many things to go off of. So the second article took a little longer to write because I um, crowdsourced the information and then turned it around. But it was I wrote them as in a response to myself and what I was going through that like these are the skills that I really do have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I'd love to to talk about them both. So in in the more of the hard skills one, right? You mm-hmm. talked about project management, um, data analysis. There's two more. Come on, think. <laughs> marketing was one of the uh, marketing skills. Yeah, because we have to market to kids every day, and then um, yeah. And I think the other one was avatar research. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which my friend who doesn't would not know what that meant. She's like, she read my article and she's like, oh, I think I understand what avatar research is now. She was also a former teacher. Um, she's like, the way you describe it in like the teaching context makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so there was, I, and then the thing that you you mentioned about anticipatory sets, right? Yes. Because, okay, so some of our listeners might not be familiar with like copywriting and and why we're we're drawing these parallels. So maybe, um, yeah, I don't want to overwhelm you. Go ahead, overwhelm me. I am hopping on a call with Joshua, uh, like, at the end of the hour. And so I also want to keep to my promise that this will be like 45 minutes. So what would you say is like the, the biggest parallel? Let's talk about the, the hard skills one first, like the biggest parallel between copywriting and teaching. Yeah. Um, for me, the, the first thing that came to my mind, like I said, I wrote that article really fast. And the first one that I think is the strongest parallel is, project management because teachers we we plan things you know we have like six six week units that we cycle through throughout the year so you're always planning six weeks in advance or further and you start with what the kids need to know at the end and then you plan everything backwards and you put little like check-ins or 
you know, mini assessments throughout to, to see if you're on track. That type of a skill, it's, it's something that anybody would hire you for. You know, it's a very useful skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and applies to the business world, applies to copywriting, it applies to many, many things. The, the second two were kind of together, marketing and avatar research. So teachers are very good at getting their students to hop on board with them. And we know that we, if we don't like get our students' attention within 10 seconds, 20 seconds, you've kind of ruined the lesson and you're going to be fighting for their attention and bringing them back (laughs) the rest of the time. So like we know, we know how to start something strong and we know how to grab attention in the way that the people in front of us would respond to it. Um, So that is the parallel with copywriting a hundred percent. It's the same thing. I think we have like what the average person spends like 10 seconds on a website or like 10 seconds in an email yeah 10 seconds to before they scroll past your subject line before they even open your email and read the rest of your copy yeah i'm I'm a visual thinker so when i write emails i actually picture myself in front of a classroom (laughs) and like yeah so i'm just like i go get in my my like my sherlock brain space and like you know when he he goes in his mind house, have you ever watched Sherlock? Uh, not the new one. Okay, it, you know. Anyway, just like my my own nerd reference, but like get in your private mind palace and like, okay, you're gonna talk to this specific group of people. How would you get their attention? And for some reason, even if like it's a bunch of fifty year olds, I still picture them in a the classroom. <laughs> That's where my brain goes. Um, yeah, I think that so. For the parallels with like copywriting, you know, for anyone who's listening who, you know, hasn't, you know, who's just starting out in copywriting, there's just so many. Um, do you feel that, do you feel that being, uh, sorry, let me phrase it slightly differently. How do you think that being a writing, a reading and writing specialist, especially, uh, helped you master the craft better, like the actual act of writing? So for this one, I would actually say no, because I think the fact that I was a literacy specialist really doesn't, that's not where my my skills, my transferable skills actually came from. So I think I was mostly teaching essay writing. And sure, you do teach students about hooks and things like that and organization. Um, but I think any teacher, regardless, like, and not just high school English teachers. I think a lot of people think, oh, if I was a high school English teacher, then I could get into copywriting easier. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think it's, it's the project management skills. It's the, it's that sort of getting kids' attention. It's using data to make decisions. Yeah. All teachers do that. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I actually had a hard time getting rid of my academic voice because we have to write how our customer would speak and think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the, the academic voice interfered with that because I was like, wait, nobody talks like that. <laughs> You're like, wait, I can't use the word therefore? <laughs> yeah, or or however. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's, yeah. the, it's the things that you don't think would help that actually help. Um, yeah, and I think when I was learning copywriting, what I was surprised about is that most people, like, 
your most successful copywriting is going to be written at a fourth or fifth grade reading level. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, my God, well, there's a, there's a barrier that just fell down. Like for all the people out there who think, well, I'm not very good at writing or like my grammar sucks. That is not at all a problem. Yeah. Like there's AI for that these days. Mm-hmm. You just, you need to be able to have empathy, which you have with your students. Yeah. Right. You're figuring out how they feel, how they're going to respond. Um, that's really the key when it comes to writing to your audience. So anyone who knows that have empathy with their students can do that for someone else too. Yeah. Yeah. Go into your mind palace and and feel what they're feeling. (laughs) I'm going to use that now. (laughs) Um, So there was this question that came from, from a listener. I I think one of the things that's stopping her is the, the guilt of, leaving her students behind um Mm -hmm. is that something that you know was part of your journey um yes i think any any teacher is going to feel because you invest so much time in your students getting to know them getting to know their families um it can feel it can feel like a very big commitment um, and, and if <clears throat> could feel like breaking the commitment if you leave. But <clears throat> when I, when I decided to leave, I did tell all of my students and I told all of the families as, as well at the end of the year conferences. Um, but I wrote, <laughs> this is maybe overkill, but I wrote an individual, I'll say the last paragraph was individualized. The rest of it was was copied. But I gave each student a letter from me personally that had a paragraph at the end that was just for them. And it was just kind of explaining, like, why I was leaving. And and they were, you know, they totally understood. They were fourth graders, but they were, like, you know, happy for me to go back to the States and do something else. And um, that was the route I took. I just felt like... Again, I process things through writing. So I was like, I want my students to know that they were very special to me because yeah. um, they were. Mm-hmm. And I want them to know that this isn't about them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they surprise students and families will surprise you. Um, I think a lot of the guilt comes from yourself. It doesn't actually come from anyone else. And if you tell them what's going on in your life and that you're making a different decision, they're going to very likely they're going to just be happy for you and support you and be sad that they won't get, you know, Oh, they were like, Oh, my daughter, she's going to be in fourth grade next year. I really wanted her to have you that kind of a thing. And you know, those moments are sad, but they're only sad for like a little bit. Yeah. I know. I really wish I could have had your daughter too. I love your family. You know, um, I wish I could see you guys more, but this is what I'm doing and it's sad. And then it's over. So I kind of process it that way mm-hmm. with them. I think what you said about a lot of the guilt comes from yourself is really powerful because um, mm-hmm. I think I took on an inordinate amount of responsibility for what was happening in my students' lives, even though a lot of it is out of our control once they step out of the classroom, right? So true, um, yes. Mm-hmm. And like you said, when you yeah. say these things out loud, they're – they understand they're happy for you like yeah I went through the same thing they they you know they're congratulating me and they're excited um yeah it's 
we we I think a lot of it we we put on ourselves for good reason, you know. Um, yeah, we're, we're using it. I think a lot of times we use that to just like we think. At least I use it as like the motivator to keep going to push. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be helpful sometimes, but overall, like guilt is a feeling we should all try to try to leave at the door. It, it there's other more productive emotions, but that one is super common, and it came up for me, and it, it'll probably come up for anyone who tries to leave. Mm-hmm. or who ends up leaving teaching. Um, but hopefully if you stay in teaching, because not everyone listening to this is like, I have to get out. Yeah. <laughs> but um, if you if you do decide to stay, like, just know that you're not stuck. You're staying because you want to stay. Yeah. Um, and you're leaving or, or you're leaving because you want to leave. And I think that's the mindset that a lot of teachers get in is that they're like, I'm totally stuck here yeah. in this position. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great segue into, you know, um, one of my final questions. <laughs> what advice okay. would you give to transitioning teachers who are thinking about copywriting, but they're afraid of making that leap? I would say join Copy Chief. Just kidding. But seriously. Yeah. I, I think it's the community. I think you want to get, you do want to get somehow connected to individuals, to people. Um, and that will start to give you a better understanding of if this is going to work for you or not. Um, it's tempting to want to like, to feel like you want to make a change, but you want to do it quietly and privately. Yeah. <laughs> and we might start out that way. I start, I kind of started out that way. Um, but you're never going to really know until you start making connections with people who are in that world. And so I would say that copy chief is a program that is really great for making connections with other people, with other copywriters in a really like friendly and easy way. It's such a cool community. Um, but I'm sure there are others. So I would, I would just tell anyone, if you're a teacher thinking about becoming a copywriter, start at, figure out who's in your network that you, like me, friends you've had for years that you didn't know, um, do something like copywriting or something related mm-hmm. and just start talking to people and getting connected. Yeah. Even if you think that your entire network's all teachers, just like putting it out there so they know, because they know people who are not teachers. And, and we all know, and, and, and we do. I, I remember Joshua telling me he, he would actually like hit the pavement and uh, talk to local shops to see if they need a copy, you know, so it, that is so cool. <laughs> like really old school. Um, Super old school. Yeah. Knocking on the door. I love it. Yeah. So how can, how can our listeners uh, find and connect with you? Um, find me on LinkedIn. My name is Elizabeth Salisbury. I think Bitsy is also on there. Um, Generation Schools Network is the company I work for, so that you'll you'll know you'll you have found me when you see that. Um, and then check out my Medium account. I think you'll probably link that in the show notes yep. or something. Yep. Yeah. Um, those would be the two best places to to interact with me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know we have gone over, and uh, this has been a really uh, so many parallels in in the journey. It's good to know that you know. 
that we all face similar issues, even though we all might be coming into this uh, a different way. So, so thank you guys for listening. Thank, thank you so much, Bitsy, for, for spending the time with us today. Um, and we'll see you on the next episode of Classroom to Copy.